0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Uh, on behalf of the entire flight crew, I'd like to welcome you to the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, where the current time is one o'clock p.m. Today's forecast is partly sulfur cloudy with brimstone showers overnight. While you're here, be sure to check out our world famous pillars of salt. And as always, thank you for flying USA Airlines. What the heck? Welcome into Historical Baptist FC, Life and Ministry from a Historical Baptist Perspective. He is Heath Walton, Associate Pastor at First Baptist Church of Talladega. Yes. You're not going to introduce me. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm Robert Klotz, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Talladega. Uh, we've been gone a long time, but we are back uh, and excited to be together, even though we can't see you. Uh, thank you for the two or three of you who are still listening, Mom and um nice. Reese. I'm not even sure my mom is listening anymore at this point. We've been gone so long, but uh, a lot has happened in the world um, since we've since we've been gone. You can cue the Kelly Clarkson song. Um, we, you, we don't have the royalties oh, for that, okay. <laughs> nor a budget for <laughs> not that. Enough, not enough people bought t-shirts for no for us to uh, do that expenditure. We could do sit. <laughs> That's, it. That's all of the song oh, we could do. Oh, I had to think about what you're talking about for a minute. Um, today, since you didn't ask, FC stands for Famished for Consistency. Oh, Boy, we did
1: change that intro today, didn't we? Yeah, it's, it's quite
0: different. Um, famished for Consistency. Famished for Consistency. FFC. Uh, yeah, I mean the preposition can That's just sort fine. of go in. The, anyway, um, today we're we're having a conversation about uh, something that by the time you hear this is probably a little bit old news, probably about forty eight hours old, thirty six hours old, something like that, um, seventy two hours old. However long it takes me to edit, or however long it takes everybody to tune in and listen. Um, anyway, we digress already. <laughs> um, a congressional prayer ended in the words "Amen" and
1: "Ah, women." Full That's disclosure, that. he did say. That he was making a pun, but it does present a still bigger issue that we will be talking about. Today.
0: It started a conversation between the two of us and probably a few other people, I guess, before we arrived to today about the consistency of a biblical worldview versus the inconsistency of a secularist worldview. Um, and so we 're going to talk a little bit about that today and just sort of see where it goes. we've got a rough outline, but we never follow those anyway um It, it has been often said, and well and truly so, that the biblical worldview is a rational worldview because uh it comes from the scriptures uh, It comes from a rational God, uh, a God who created us in his image to be rational people uh and so it it has its own consistency. But when human beings left to their own uh, fleshly devices are left to come up with their own worldview um enter the secularist worldview, uh it becomes radically inconsistent uh even within itself. It just doesn't make good sense. you mean it's debased yeah, it I think seems I read, I've read I think I read that somewhere in fact, I've already got my Bible open there. I'm sure we'll reference Romans one at least more than once um it i I mentioned this to you before we started recording. Um, In fact, this morning, that one of the accusations that is often leveled against Christianity and against a biblical worldview um, is an accusation of a lack of consistency. That age-old question and challenge is... If God is all powerful and all good, why do bad things happen or why do bad things happen to good people? Sometimes it's asked in fancier, um, you know, psychological terms or whatever else, uh, Mm -hmm. philosophical terms um, is probably the better term. Anyway. Sometimes it gets asked with bigger words or smaller words in lots of different ways, but the the, fra- the question is always at its root a question of consistency. It's a, it's a challenge to sort of say, look, here's this point of inconsistency within your biblical worldview. What do you say about that? Um, and, and, of course, we, we know that there are a host of answers to that question um, because the biblical worldview is consistent. Um but we haven't arrived to talk about those particularly today. We've arrived to talk about the reality that you don't have to look very hard to find inconsistencies in a secularist worldview. Um, and if you are looking for uh, consistency, it is only found uh, in a biblical worldview and not a secularist one.
1: All right. So um, just for those who are who are joining in, um, let's talk about worldviews just for a second to sort of lay out our terms uh, and and to to put those out there to where we can all understand one another. Um, in the book, Christian Apologetics by Douglas Grotius, he says, A worldview is forged out beliefs that have the most consequence for a comprehensive vision of reality. It is an overall conception of reality that touches on the key areas that philosophy and religion have always addressed. And through a worldview, one orients oneself intellectually to the universe. So these areas that philosophy has always addressed and religion has always addressed can be summed up in just a few questions really um, and do not go into cotton-eyed Joe uh, it's where did we come from <laughs> why are we here uh, what's wrong with the world and and how do we see a resolution to that wrong so that's the four uh,
0: big questions vodi Bachum says what's wrong with the world how can or excuse me who am I? How did I get here? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with the world, and how can what's wrong be made right?
1: Yes, and so that's that's the basic questions. Uh, a worldview is an interrelated cluster of central assumptions or presuppositions about reality, about that which is true. Um, now, that is a loaded statement in our culture today to say about that which is true, um, because there is now a an attempt to redefine what truth even is, and I'm sure we'll touch on that some more. Well,
0: and that falls in the biblical worldview, right? So biblical worldview is um, effectively its own definition. It is the way that you view the world and all that that entails. So even in that sort of postmodernistic worldview where I'm denying truth, that is the way that I view the world. I view the world in terms of relative truth rather than absolute truth. So the truth, as I understand it, is that all truth is relative, which we'll get here in just a minute. We all, we do recognize from the beginning, which is why we're doing this episode, that that in itself is completely inconsistent.
1: Yeah, that's a circular argument which tears itself down immediately. Okay. Um, Continue, please. Sorry, but basically, our worldview shapes who we are and what we do. So Tozer uh, once wrote that the way that we uh, what we believe about God shapes everything about who we are, uh, and so that's that's essentially where we are in our view of the world, right? Everything that we believe about God, it's supposed to shape everything about who we are. Whether that's a big view of God or a small view of God, even within what's called a Christian worldview, that can be lived out slightly differently because of how someone understands who God is. Now, I believe that's resolved if they hold to the scriptures. Uh, So our foundation is not our emotions, it's not what a denomination says, it is what do the scriptures say because we believe the scriptures are the word of God.
0: Right, and if we want consistency in a worldview, that worldview has to have a consistent source. So the problem you find with secularist worldviews is that there is no sure, consistent source. My worldview as my own autonomous secularist Uh, is my own, and yours is going to be completely different, and we can't find much middle ground. We're going to have to look really hard for that, and we're going to find lots more points of disagreement than agreement, because there is no consistent source in which you find your worldview and I find mine. But if instead our worldview is a biblical worldview, Mm-hmm. Its source is the consistency of the scriptures themselves. And so while we might differ on secondary and tertiary issues and you know we can that's a different discussion for a different day, our worldview finds its consistency in the fact that you and I are using the same consistent source for that worldview.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so what we're dealing with today, let's talk about some of the, the so, views.
0: Let me let me back we'll up back just a little bit. bit to say um you need to read your Bible to develop your worldview, not read your Bible through your worldview. Yes,
1: okay, so that's another point is um in the Christian worldview, not only can there be differences because of you know lack of study, there is also uh you can live it out differently in the, because there are people who spend a lot of time trying to understand their worldview better by reading the Bible, and there are some who simply don't spend that much time in the Bible because they're doing other things. And they
0: develop their worldview from something else. Yes,
1: and they develop it from something else. And and usually, if they are you know church-going Christians, it's developed by what their preacher has said, uh, which is why it's so important who we listen to and, and testing everything by the scriptures, um, by the music that they sing. Uh, Christian radio has a major impact on people's Uh, theological beliefs whether they even understand that or not that's the big thing is some people understand that they're trying to uh, develop their worldview based on the bible other people don't even understand that there's such thing as a worldview but everyone possesses one
0: yeah Uh, worldview is everywhere i um i think we we talked about a couple of of simple examples yesterday but you know um graphic t-shirts speak from a worldview to a worldview and seek to educate in a worldview Um, The cartoons your kids watch seek to educate in a particular worldview. They come from a particular worldview. They seek to educate children with a particular worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, What kids learn in school is not just reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's worldview. Um, What what is this world? How does it operate? And how do I operate in it? What are the rules for my existence, et cetera, et cetera? Worldview issues are enormous issues. They affect everything. And so understanding and developing a biblical worldview worldview is tremendously important for every Christian um, in the way that you walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ, in the way that you serve in your church, uh, in the way that you raise your children, in the way that you interact with the world, in the way that you vote, in the way in the books that you read, um, in the way that you interact on social media, in what you can trust and what you can't from media around you, from all varieties. All of those things pertain to this big question of of worldview worldview is everywhere it's not it's not that thing um that you know Guys like Vody Bacham just sit around and think about with a yeah. few other guys who are as smart as they are. W- worldview, whether you, whether you use that word on a regular basis or not, you have one. You operate by one. It affects everything that you do, and everybody around you has one, and it affects everything that they do as well.
1: It's very similar to R.C. Sproul saying that everyone is a theologian because everyone has thoughts about God. Mm-hmm. Whether they believe in God or not, everyone has thoughts about God. Uh, And so, yes, everyone has a worldview, and the question today is, what about consistency in a worldview, and and how the Christian worldview is, we believe, the most consistent of the worldviews? All right, so let's dive into our... Our order here.
0: Yeah. So um, the outline I've got is basically just a list of, of things. And I think you've got a couple of lists as yeah. well um, of how a secularist worldview would seek to answer some of those big questions and then how the biblical worldview is basically just way more consistent. Yes. Now, I- I- if this were a semester long class, each of these would be like a 50 minute to an hour and a half discussion. So we'll try to not. run through some of these fairly quickly. Um, Let's uh, you want to, you want to, where do you want to start? Which question? So do you let's, start with?
1: let's start off with, I actually like these little charts. They're kind of fun. Um, so let's, let's just go right now. Let, let's cover Um, what we deal with the most right now is a combination of secular humanism, naturalism, and postmodernism. That's what we deal with prevalently. Um, so the secular humanist, the naturalist, um, you know, let's, let's ask those questions of where did we come from? Uh, and so the naturalist would say that the material universe is all that exists. And so reality is one-dimensional. There's no such thing as a soul or a spirit. Um, that everything can be explained on the basis of natural law. And so the secular humanist says there's no God. Scientific process made God obsolete. There's only matter and man is matter. Um, the problem... The inconsistency here is that you cannot reasonably operate in a fully naturalistic mindset. You you can't. Um, one example that I read that I, I thought was pretty cool is that the the naturalist or the secular humanist, if if scientific reason is the only thing, and understand science and faith are not opposed to one another. Um, Christians do believe, you know, mature Christians really believe that science um, is just the work of God, and we're seeing it in the, you know, seeing the processes that God uses in the world, and that's a beautiful thing. Um,
0: How you reconcile those two is a question of your worldview.
1: Yes, exactly. How you recon- reconcile is worldview. Um, here's something that cannot be explained. So if everything that exists has to be able to be explained by the five senses, right, Um, you cannot then explain mind morality or meaning you can't, you cannot arrive there. So we can, according to them, we can answer the question. Where did we come from? They think we just were, yeah, were, um, many say big bang, those sort of things. Of course, uh, the question that you have to ask then is where did that come from? Uh, as I cannot remember the guy's name. It was just funny how he said it. In order for there to be a big bang, there must be a big banger. Something had to cause the big bang. Um, And so Christians, in a way, believe in, in sort of a big moment where things came into existence. And the difference is we actually have what we believe to be the answer for how. And that is, let there be light.
0: Yeah. Well, that that's the other difference, right, is that in this um, secular, secular humanist worldview, um, y- you have the five senses whereby you can measure scientific discovery, and then you have the process of the science of history, and neither of those works to answer that question of where did we come from. Whereas um, from the biblical worldview, we do have a historic record. It's called... The scriptures, Genesis 1, tells us, it records for us historically what has been passed down through oral history, oral tradition, is now written history, written tradition, and tells us clearly and definitively um, that that where things all began was with the abrupt statement into time and space let there be light. Before then, there was nothing but God, and then in that moment, light begins to exist, and God forms everything thereafter. Exactly,
1: and when God created, we believe that God did not just create matter, that he created, uh, like humans, to have things like thoughts, to have a purpose, to have um, a moral compass, those kinds of things, and, and Naturalism and secular humanism cannot have a consistent answer for the mind for morality and for meaning. So, they can tell you that you do have a brain. They can go, they can actually cut your head open and touch your brain if they wanted to, but they cannot explain um thoughts. They cannot explain feelings. They cannot explain a sense of purpose. They cannot explain morality accurately. Because those things cannot be determined by the five senses.
0: Right. So the best you can do is find um, synapses firing between one another and these electronic signals going back mm-hmm. and forth within the brain. Uh, but then all of those things would purely be an act of nature. And there's no explanation of why your the way that your brain synapses fire agrees with the way that my brain synapses fire in that both of us would understand that killing one another would be morally reprehensible. Yeah. There, there there's no explanation for that shared um, imprint of synapses for for both of us to agree on that. Just doesn't that there's no consistent. So, it doesn't make sense.
1: So, using the C. S. Lewis example in the beginning of Mere Christianity, when a child has an orange, he's eating it. Another child is standing next to him and says, give me a slice of your orange. The other child says, no. He said, but I gave you a slice of mine last week. Uh, there's this sense of fairness. Mm-hmm. You can't have fairness without a declaration of what fair is. Right. And you can't have any of those things without a foundation. Right. Um, and so Christianity, we believe, is founded upon a good foundation. Um uh, it really brings into light that whole view of building the house upon the sand or upon the rock. Um, if you're built upon a foundation, all these you know vain things that humans come up with, those things won't knock you over. But if you're built upon nothing, you're easily knocked over by everything. Um, you know one of the one of the verses we have, Colossians two eight. See to it. That no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. We we have that firm foundation. We are built upon Christ. Um, and so we we can reject these things together because we actually have a foundation. I don't see how people can agree within a secular humanist or a naturalistic view. Um Which leads us to a postmodern view, and we'll get to that in a little bit because it's it's different than Mm -hmm. this. And it's almost like there's a synthesis going on that they don't even realize is inconsistent between them.
0: Which, you know, I think um, is another important distinction to make in the biblical worldview has remained unchanged since the beginning, since the worldview that Adam had. The Mm -hmm. biblical worldview in all of its elements has been the same. Now, obviously, application is going to be different. We live in a very different time than Adam lived. We live under the new covenant, et cetera, et cetera. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is the worldview questions, the big questions and big answers in the biblical worldview, as expressed in the biblical worldview, have been exactly the same, unchanged, completely consistent within their their own selves and within its own system since Adam, Noah, David, Moses, Paul, same worldview, right? Mm -hmm. Biblical worldview. Absolutely. Whereas, if you look through the course of human history, the secularist worldview has changed again and again and again because it has to. Because every time it finally discovers its own inconsistencies, it has to then um, adapt and overcome itself, right? So you go from, um, even within our own lifespan, the... um, Pure modernism to postmodernism, responding to modernism and then trailing off into postmodernism. And that movement between those three worldviews is necessitated by its own its own inconsistency. Yeah. If modernism can't explain why you and I agree on a shared morality, well, then I, I have to then respond to that with postmodern tendencies. But I can't have modernism with postmodern tendencies, or I create yet another inconsistency. So then I move to postmodernism. But there, too, we'll find yet another worldview after postmodernism, because inevitably it, too, will die as people begin to understand the logical inconsistency with insisting that the truth is there's only relative truth and you must believe that or you're wrong, even though I don't believe I can call you wrong for believing anything. Yeah, I, I'm,
1: I'm hoping what we're hearing now is the death rattle of postmodernity. modernity um, Once people begin to catch on to how ludicrous this view is, my prayer is that people will start— seeking, if you will, and that Christians will come in and stand in the gap and say, we have a consistent view. Um, This is how C.S. Lewis operated. He did not operate by, I mean, he debated, but it wasn't a debate to try to win an argument. He, He debated and wrote and gave lectures in an attempt to show people that the Christian worldview is the most consistent and it is a rational thing to believe it, uh, because that's what he was up against at that time, was some of the children of modernism. Um,
0: well, listen, if if any of you out there, which I, I realize there may not be anybody out there, but if any of you <laughs> out there are looking for a great um, historical theology uh, PhD project um, or a research project— um, it would be interesting to know if there's any correlation between uh, world revivals and these periods of transition between these secularist oh, yeah. worldviews.
1: It's almost like a vacuum comes in, yeah uh, so we talked about sort of where they believe we come from, uh, that man is the chance product of a biological process of evolution uh, in the naturalist view. man is entirely material. The human species will one day pass out of existence, right? So um, I I listened today. I think it was Bob Stewart, maybe, from New Orleans. Um, Either him or or another guy that I had listened to earlier uh, basically said, it's not a question of truth anymore. It's a question of survivability. Um, I don't have to believe the truth. I just have to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is that Darwinian view of survival of the fittest. and here's where we run into a big inconsistency today, and we talked about this earlier. Seatbelts, medication, surgery, helmets, nets around a trampoline.
0: Warning labels.
1: Warning labels. What are they for if it is truly about survival? Right. Why do we have those? in fact the The most consistent argument one could have in this view is that we should wipe out all the idiots who can't jump on a trampoline without a net. You know, <laughs> sorry, if your kids jump on a trampoline with a net, you get what I'm saying
0: well, um i mean again that that's the point of what we're talking about is that there's there's no consistency within the reasoning there's there's no consist there's no reason consistent with my worldview if i am truly a secularist that would make me want to say i have enough concern for the well-being of my fellow man that I feel the need to warn them that this could be a problem instead i would be more concerned if i'm consistently operating within my worldview that my species be stronger mm-hmm. by only keeping in the gene pool those people who don't need those warning labels and can figure it out themselves, right? Yeah. Whereas, it's like the pruning process. But the opposite of that, right, is the biblical worldview that says every man, woman, and child is created in the image of God and mm-hmm. therefore has inherent value because God created every single one of them in his own image. And as image bearers of God, they have inherent value. Um, That's why there there is logical consistency within the biblical worldview to issue warnings to our fellow men, to reject racism and sexism, to insist upon the well-being of the people around us, Mm -hmm. because we have a desire for fellow image bearers to be cared for Because that's the desire in the heart of God. And so there is this consistency within the biblical worldview that provides a reasonable explanation for that. An explanation that makes sense. Instead of, well, my worldview as a secularist says that I simply need to triumph over you and my gene pool needs to triumph over yours. So, but since I'm manufacturing a product that might hurt you and I... I. I'm going to warn you so bad things don't happen.
1: I think the most consistent, uh, if there could be a most consistent person who holds to that worldview, they would actually say everything that I think, believe, do, say is intended to benefit me personally. It's radical individualism. Um, Of course, now we come to the the part where we're starting to see a cross between the two. Um is on this idea of truth. Like what is truth? Truth is that which corresponds with reality. That's what truth is. Truth is usually understood in the secular humanist naturalist view um, as scientific proof. If my senses can, you know, uh, interact with it, it's true. Only that which can be observed with the five senses is accepted as real or true. the problem here is things like saying theft is wrong. You you can't say theft is wrong because you can't prove that with the five senses. Um, I, I because can say, I feel like it's not a, a, not a sense. Yeah, I
0: can say that your theft of my stuff makes me angry, but I cannot say that it is in and of itself morally wrong because to set up a moral standard is inconsistent with my worldview, Um, and what I should insist instead upon is a relativistic morality, the problem there is that that's not always going to help me because you get to have just as relativistic a morality as I do, and those aren't always going to line up. Well, let me ask you
1: this. How can they even say you're angry? Anger cannot be Quantified. quantified by the five senses. That's what we're talking about. Mind. You, you have and,
0: one of those little charts, like the pain chart at the hospital, where you yeah. just circle the face that looks like Which one are you? Yeah. I'm the maddest. I'm yeah. 10.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, but no, um, that's what I'm saying with the whole mind thing. That can't be explained. You can explain that there's a brain, but you can't explain thoughts
0: and feelings and emotions because those things can't be touched. And even more than that, you, you can't explain why they're legitimate, why it's anything more than a synapse firing. Yeah. Whereas, again... If you go back to the imago Dei that that we are created in the image of God, you say that we are created in the image of God to be emotional beings because God is an emotional being. Yes. And and my feelings and thoughts and reasonings have value um in as much as they line up with those of God because God created those things in me. Um because he is emotional. And he um has thoughts and feelings and Uh, reasons and rationale, right? So let's talk about this
1: inconsistency we're seeing. Are we
0: still recording? Yeah. Okay, I always have to check.
1: So let's talk about this inconsistency we're seeing with people who are saying things like, uh, listen to science, right? You hear that all the time now, especially with a pandemic. Listen to the science. Um, You know, mind the science. Uh, But here's the thing. If you're going to say that, but also say things like, speak your truth, we have a terrible inconsistency well, um so so post-moderni- postmodernism <coughs> um reality is interpreted through our cultural paradigms um therefore reality is a social construct uh, man is is um the product of their social setting uh and so the ills of humanity can be blamed on factors other than the self and sin and those things the idea that people are autonomous is free uh, and free is a myth. Basically, you have one side of their brain saying it must be scientific and the other side of their brain is going, but nothing's objective, so it can't be proven because there is no truth. And therefore, you've got a war going on with inside someone, but they don't even notice it. They don't see the inconsistency. Uh, in postmodernism, truth um, is a mental construct meaningful to individuals within their personal uh, cultural paradigm. So um, they don't apply to other paradigms. That's why people say, speak your truth, and my truth is not your truth, and that culture's truth is not this culture's truth. Truth is relative to the
0: culture. Um, well, on- the inconsistencies here are low-hanging fruit, right? Oh, big e- time. Everybody gives examples of these. Be- and And—, and- it really is that simple. Yes, that, that is low hanging fruit because it really is low hanging fruit. The the clear inconsistencies. Well, what if my truth, you know, conflicts yeah, with your the, truth? It's the whole road sign analogy. Which truth wins, right? It, yeah,
1: I believe that to be a stop sign. You believe that to be a get up and go sign. What happens? We crash. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does not. You cannot live relatively. It does not exist because that ends immediately when you become affected by something. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the questions they ask on that road trip to truth thing, uh, they said, you know, do you believe that one culture can tell another culture what's true and what's good and what should not shouldn't be done? They said, absolutely not. Truth is relative. All truth is relative. He goes, what about the Nazis?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't we fight an? Didn't and, the entire world fight a war over telling yeah. another culture what was right and wrong? So
1: since we love to use the word Nazi and Hitler so flippantly, uh, because we don't know what in the world we're talking about historically, um, let's use that for an example, right? We'll we'll take it straight down this road that road trip to truth took it. Um, do you believe that what Hitler and the Nazis did was wrong? That's what he asked these college girls. Do you believe that what he did was wrong? It's, Yes, Ah, but you just said it can't be wrong because that was... What if the Germans all believed that that was right? Which they did. Yeah, and so he then... I mean, not all. No, not all of them. But we see what that, happened That was history. the truth
0: being proclaimed. It's not that, hey, guys, we're going to get away with a heinous evil, but, hey, guys, we're doing the right thing. Yeah,
1: they believed they were doing the thing for the motherland. They felt that they had been unjustly punished after World War I and were trying to uh, build back up their country. And a man comes in a vacuum of power who has this nationalistic message, and he's very charismatic, and they bought into it. And he blamed everything on the Jews. And therefore, they, they came to the conclusion, we should kill him, right? And so he asked these people, was that wrong? And because they were trying to remain consistent, they said maybe he was wrong in how he went about it. No, he was wrong. In the biblical worldview, we can definitively say that that the Nazis and Hitler and slavery and all of those things, that rape and theft and lying, all of those things are wrong because God says they're wrong. Mm-hmm. We have the foundation.
0: We we have, and again, it is consistent throughout because you have a clear moral law given by the divine lawgiver, who is also the divine life giver, who created life in His own image. Such that performing these wrongs against another human being are not only wrong in and of themselves, but they are also wrong in that they are a violation of the imago dei. They are a violation against some a fellow image bearer. Uh, And so, again, you you just have this line of consistent thought within the biblical worldview that says this is moral law, it is self-standing and autonomous as moral law because it comes from the moral law giver, it is therefore absolutely true and not relatively true, a violation of it is therefore always and absolutely wrong, and and even more so, it is a violation of a fellow image bearer of God because the God who gave the law also gave life to people whom he created in his own image.
1: Yeah, so let's just for a second talk about ethics. So, in the secularist, humanist, naturalist, postmodern, when we talk about ethics, how, how can we go to the, the ethical foundation, right? So, in secularism, it's moral relativism. Or utilitarianism, is it useful? Postmodernism, it's cultural relativism. So there's still that relative. It fluctuates. They say that morals actually change. Um, Biblical morals have not changed. They have stayed the same, stayed the course since the beginning of time.
0: Because the biblical ethic has always been the same. The biblical ethic has been... The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the chief principle ethic.
1: This person puts that the chief ethic is agape, the godly love, Mm -hmm. the love of other people. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, You know, the great commandment, love God, love one another. Yes. Everything hangs on that. Our love for God and love for other people. Everything in the scriptures and everything in the Christian life hangs on those two things. And so this whole idea of being relative and all the, those things—that doesn't—it doesn't work. Uh, it does not work at all. And so, what are some of the other topics we had on there? We have—we've—we've we've gone all over the place right now. But
0: identity—identity um, is a big uh, term right now. Is it where who we are? Uh, right. Where do I find my identity? Um, et cetera, et cetera. Scripture says we find our true identity in Christ. Yes. That I've been created in the image of God for the purpose of the glory of God in fellowship with God, and that the way that I am able, though a sinner, to now have a relationship with God restored is through Christ, by grace through faith in Christ. And so, my identity has to rest in him. And there is no true identity outside of him because I'm still separated from God and therefore separated from my larger purpose. Um, And again, that's just this remarkable consistency. I don't have to look at myself and my own autonomy uh, and my own feelings of relativism with the world with which I interact. I look at the big question of who is God? Where did I come from? Why do I exist? I exist for His glory. He created me for His glory. And so my identity is however I relate to that purpose. What gets me to that purpose? Where do I find myself in relation to that purpose? Well, in my sin, I find myself separated from even the ability to fulfill that purpose. In Christ, I find myself united with that purpose for which I am created. And so consistent identity in the biblical worldview is by grace through faith in Christ.
1: Yeah, and so if we look at Romans 1, right— the Christian worldview says that our purpose is given to us by God. Mm-hmm. The secular worldview is that man makes their own purpose, defines their own purpose, or makes their own luck, as some people say. you know it's a very man-centered View.
0: Yeah. So Romans one, beginning verse twenty, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Um, the world it's all about around truth The world around you reeks of a biblical worldview, right? Because yes. it, is, it is a world created by God, and it sings of this truth. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools so seeking their own wisdom their own autonomy they end up with these logical inconsistencies this utter foolishness in denying God and seeking my own answers and in rejection of the biblical worldview in rebellion against God I've not only rebelled against his rules but I've rebelled against his authority over my life and I've wanted it my own way and that makes me foolish and my foolish heart is darkened i I, I, I think I know what I clearly don't um
1: and that's really what, we, what everything boils down to there is the pride of man. Yeah. Genesis 3.
0: Exactly. So, again, I, and I think, this is, I think this is important to note.
1: So now we're moving into what's wrong with the world.
0: Right. Yeah. But the other thing I want us to, to understand, even as we think about maintaining a biblical worldview in a worldview discussion, is that it doesn't even surprise us that people would do this. It doesn't Uh, surprise—the biblical worldview even has an answer for why there are these other worldviews, because they decide in rebellion to exchange the glory of God for these other things. For the created things. And and, and trying to seek their own autonomy, which is exactly what you're talking about. The rebellion in the garden doesn't begin with the act of taking the fruit, right? And in the heart. We we may have talked about this on this podcast before. I I, I mention this often uh, in, in my Genesis series as well as on Sunday mornings often when it comes to questions of worldview and sinfulness. The the root sin of what happens in the garden is not the act of taking the fruit. It's the rebellion of the heart that leads to that action of taking the fruit. And that rebellion is when Eve sees and says in her own mind that the fruit was pleasing to the eye and good for food. Until that moment, God alone got to say what was good and what was bad. Light, good. Day and night, Good. Uh, The firmament, good. Dry land, good. Plants, animals, fish, birds, man. Once a woman is also created, good. God sees that it is good, and God declares that it is good. God places the man with his wife in a garden. Um, They are given all types of food that are good, and there is one that is not good for them to eat. And God tells them, don't eat of this fruit, of this tree. And in that moment, Eve decides, I don't care what God has said about what's good and what's not good. I've decided it is good. I say it is pleasing to the eye. I say it is good for food, even though God said all this other stuff good for food, that not good. I say it is good, so I'll take it. And as soon as we do that, we enter into sort of this idea that in my rebellion, I get to decide on my own worldview. A worldview is deciding what is good and what is not, right? If you want to boil it down to make me one question, what's good to think, what's not good to think? What's good to do, what's not good to do? What's good, what's not? And and Eve decides in that moment, "Eh, I know God said not good, I say good. I know God is the only one who has the authority as the creator of the the universe to say what is good, but I say this is good regardless of what God says. And so even as we think about a a world run amok with all these different worldviews that are so inconsistent, um, where they've decided that the very things that God hates are the things that they love and the things that they celebrate and the things that they decide are good, even though God says they're not good. Um the biblical worldview is consistent enough to say hey I know where that came from. It comes from your rebellious sinful heart. Um and and Christ is the only thing that can rescue and redeem you from even that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and so we have that. So let's talk about you know we we've asked the question where do we come from? Why are we here? What about what's wrong with the world? We've just talked about sin, right? Um you know, oh the nat- and the world
0: has so many different answers for this, right? Oh,
1: the naturalist would say, well, we're just evolving
0: into what we are and and so what's wrong with the world is anything that hinders that or anything that maybe puts yes. a um a decrease on the timeline, right? So mm-hmm. so if the world is going to end before I get to fully evolve, we have a big problem, right? Um that's the naturalist answer. Um the I'm trying to keep these straight without the information in front of me that, that you have. Um, the secularist worldview would say what's wrong with the world is that I don't have enough stuff. You have more stuff than I have, and I want your stuff, so let me take your stuff. It mm-hmm. um, uh, sounds like a socialist worldview. The, <laughs> yeah, the, um, uh, you know, uh, a hedonistic worldview would say what's wrong is that I'm unhappy and thing, yeah. Things around me are making me unhappy, and I have to fix my environment so that I'm more happy. Um, what about the postmodern?
1: How, how can the inconsistent I, relative view—
0: I think—now, e- I, I don't know. Okay, so, so we'd have to talk, I guess, to a, um, a postmodern philosopher, and I, you know, neither one of us really wants to do that. Um, I, I would think— My best guess is to say, and I think we see evidence of this whether I'm right psychologically or philosophically or not. I think we see clear clear evidence of this in our own culture right now. Even that problem of, uh, and this is, again, the point of of our discussion today, even the question of what's wrong with the world from the postmodern perspective is logically inconsistent. Because what the postmodern perspective is going to say is that you, the problem with the world is that you don't accept my truth.
1: Yes. Okay, so they I our... have
0: a truth statement and your truth statement disagrees with it. And yeah. that that's not going well for me. Um and so the world must accept my truth. And so, we see that all over the place in our so culture. So here's right what I see, okay? Um so you see me growing angry and you're No, No, to no. <laughs> so
1: so the secular humanist champions the um the human spirit, right? We are the world. Kind of things. Let's get a you know eighty different celebrities come sing this not really great song in order to create this better world, right? The postmodernist is looking for a utopian world. Mm. It's nothing but old utopian philosophy coming back mm. that we can somehow, in our power, complete with secular humanism, create this perfect world, um, and the goal is to alleviate all human suffering except for those who don't buy into that worldview. Mm. When you don't buy into that worldview, you're standing in the way of what they're deeming the greater good. Mm. Therefore, what's the only answer? Alleviate the problem. Yeah. Silence them one way or
0: the other. And and you've heard lots of we still recording. Yeah. You've heard lots of um, theological experts, lots of apologists say, and and I think it's really, really important— that regardless of the worldview, the, the the problem, the location of the problem, always seems to be outside of myself. The answer is within. The problem is without.
1: Yes. Okay. So that's one thing we just said is that, in their view, man is defined by their social setting. Mm-hmm.
0: So if it's something that is nature
1: r- versus nurture. If
0: something is wrong with me, it's either um, the natural state of things outside of me or a lack of nurturing from whoever was authoritative over me or is authoritative over me. Yes. It's it's always something outside of me.
1: It's very similar to marxism in that man is defined by their socioeconomic status mm. and therefore the only way to change man's lot is to change their socioeconomic status.
0: Well, even in um, you know, secular humanism, uh, hedonism, whatever, the problem is I'm not happy because something outside of me is making me unhappy. Yeah. Um. And so something within me has to, has to, has to make me happy, has to correct that problem that is outside. Um. And Moeller has talked about this explicitly in some sermons. Other guys have talked about it a lot. The gospel, the, the biblical worldview says what's wrong with you is not outside of you. It's inside of you. Mm-hmm. And the solution is not inside of you. It's outside of you. It, it Um. It, it is
1: muster up the solution. It's a
0: it's an internal problem with an alien solution, as I think Moeller's uh, way of describing that. Which that frustrates the world, by the way. Absolutely, it frustrates me because it frustrates my natural that, sinfulness that that root fleshly pridefulness that says, "I don't need your help. I've got this. I get to make this decision. I'm autonomous. Don't tell me that I need your help." Yeah. Um I I I don't want to surrender. I want to take the fruit. I want to decide. I don't want to follow your rules. I don't want to, you know, subscribe to your system of uh, what is right and what is wrong and how how I can be saved from what is wrong around me. I want to decide those things. And if I say the fruit is good, that means the fruit's going to be good because that's what I say. Um and and any problem I perceive is that you said it was wrong, not that I decided it was good and yeah. that was Again, the biblical worldview says the root problem is within me. It's that fleshly sinfulness, that sin nature into which I am now born. And the only solution is Christ, who, by the way, is the solution, consistency of worldview warning, um, because... He loves the people he created in his image, yeah, and wants to save them from their sinful rejection of him so that they can be reunited in relationship with him and live for the purpose of his glory for all eternity that's the consistency anybody that ever challenges you christian that your that your worldview isn't consistent because you believe in miracles or something you're Biblical worldview is the single most consistent worldview. And on the topic of miracles, not to rant and rave too much, it is consistent with a biblical worldview. There is a perfectly clear explanation for it because the God who creates all things gets to do whatever he wants in his creation. Because he exists outside of time and space. And he can interact with creation however he wants, which, by the way, is very good news for you because one day he interacts by taking on flesh.
1: Yeah. And not only that, one day he comes again mm-hmm. and this to whole, make
0: all that is wrong right yes, again. Yes. He
1: writes all of the wrongs. Wrongs that we brought. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the world doesn't like. Yeah. Because they can't take blame. Right. So, so the
0: short answer, right the the harsh abrupt answer to what's wrong with the world is you, you are. You, you are, are what's wrong with the I'm world. I'm
1: what's wrong, you're what's wrong with the world. Um, and so with those things, as, as believers, we say a hearty amen. Yes, we do. We fully understand that. Uh, again, it's consistent with our worldview. I'm trying so hard not to be snarky right now. Yeah, don't. Uh, and so we, we have this final question, right? That final question is so, so how do we fix it? Again, we just talked about, we try so hard to fix it ourselves. Let's talk about secular humanism, how they try to fix it. Um, If they're a true secular humanist, they believe in natural selection and therefore they don't care one way or the other about the weak. Um, They do want to alleviate weakness from the gene pool, as we talked about, Uh, and they believe that you achieve mental health by meeting physical and material needs and behaviorism. Um, They think that um, civilization and culture are evil and man make evil, that that Family is just the worst, that government education is most desirable. Uh, and so basically they try to set up this, uh, if you want to know, they're, they're the one-world government type of people. We want to control all of the thinking and get all the others out of the way if they're being consistent with their view. Postmoderns, however— I feel a Lizard
0: King comment coming yeah, on. Yeah,
1: post, post-moderns, of course, they, they reject objectivity— So reality is constructed by what a human thinks or believes or feels, that there's no universal truth or absolutes, um, that a local community determines moral truth, um, that there's no grand narrative uh, of the world. Um, They reject order and design and history. So pattern evolution is actually not consistent with postmodernism because that would be an objective in the eyes of a secular humanist rather they believe in chance and random leaps and those kind of things um that we are many selves created from different languages and geography and and family and education so we're just a social construct um like this is the weirdest thing in this view i'm not really heath i'm only heath because my society told me i was heath and told me what i would be like that's that's just ludicrous and it makes me angry and I'm trying to calm down. Um, they they think the utopian society can exist as long as we even the playing field by focusing on the cultural fringe, the poor, oppressed, um, the homosexuals, they demonize privileged white males um, and businesses. Uh, capitalism is not big among the postmodern. I don't know if you've figured this out yet. Um, that the Western understanding of justice is like the root of all evil. So we need to get rid of all of those people that hold to those things and, and basically turn the power order, which also takes us into Marxism, but we'll get there. So even um, as
0: you're describing this, yeah, the, the illustration that pops into my head is if you pop the cap off a tube of toothpaste and put it in the hands of a secular humanist or a postmodern and say, keep the toothpaste inside the tube, proverbially, they're squeezing as hard as they can to keep it in there. And all that ever happens when you do this illustration with students is that toothpaste goes everywhere. If you squeeze a tube of toothpaste really, really hard to try to keep it all inside, all you do is it goes up faster and faster and faster. The inconsistencies of a non-biblical worldview display themselves. And they keep having to run circles around themselves and blame somebody outside themselves and try to fix it within their own power and all manner of things running circles around themselves, trying to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze what they can't control in the first place. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, "The way that that the way that what is wrong is made right." Jesus says, "Is um, anyone who would save his life will lose it? Yeah. That the harder you try to make the world right of your own power." the more wrong you make it because the, more the wrong you are the fundamental problem with the world is you and your sinfulness and the way you have tried in your autonomy to correct all that's wrong because the only one who can correct what's wrong is Christ who as Lord King in Christ can fix what you have ruined and one day has promised that whether you have believed in him or not, And whether you will be with him or whether he will come against you, one day he's coming to make all that you and I have made wrong right again.
1: So one of the ways that I I use an analogy is that imagine you're standing on a railroad track and a train is coming. Just because you close your eyes and plug your ears doesn't mean the train's not coming. Uh, and I, and that's my fear is that people, they know that it's coming, but they're closing their eyes and they're plugging their ears and their hearts are hardened because they simply don't want to pretend that exists, you know, and, and so we have that
0: suppression of the truth. Um. So, so let me ask this as we maybe start to wrap things up a little bit, and that is what does the biblical worldview say that you and I should do about the problem of, of people taking these other worldviews. And I think um there is clearly room and and a place for and an importance of apologetics and Christian philosophy and all those things. Um, those things are really helpful. We wouldn't be having this conversation if we didn't have those kinds of resources and and wise, faithful brothers who have and, and sisters who've done that kind of research and, and written those kinds of works. But I think A lot of times we get bogged down in, well, I don't know how to talk worldview with people, so I I just have no place in that conversation. Or that our greatest goal is to try to force the world to see our worldview instead of searching for their own. And since the fall in Genesis 3, um, mankind has just been searching for his own answers with his own worldview.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. The what you and I are commanded then to do is to tell people how what is wrong can be made right um to lead them to Christ who himself will change their worldview and then disciple them to try to sh- help shape that worldview and help them understand where how, where we derive a biblical worldview from the scriptures lead them in studying those things answer their questions about those things but and to demonstrate Yeah, to live that out to demonstrate how that
1: has actually affected you. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't think you can teach them to observe everything that Christ had commanded without you doing it. You know. So again,
0: consistency within the biblical worldview says not only how can what is wrong be made right? Well, it's only through Christ. It also says, well, what do I do with that information? Mm -hmm. And and the biblical worldview says, go tell everyone. Yeah. So tell everyone. The the
1: goal of apologetics should be not to win an argument right it should be as Spurgeon and other pre- preachers have labeled it to win souls mm-hmm. to draw people to Christ to to point them to Jesus mm-hmm. um and, and so yeah uh, we believe the biblical worldview is by far the most consistent and and if you've never um really looked into worldview and that sort of thing we do encourage you to do that um there are several good books uh uh, I know there's one called Life Views by
0: R.C. Sproul. That's fantastic. Well, and what we're doing here at First Baptist on on Wednesday nights is just to walk through Genesis. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Foundations of a Biblical Worldview is what that series is called. We're just walking through Genesis. Just read, read Genesis and read it with those big questions in mind. Where did I come from? Well, Genesis 1 answers that. What's wrong with the world? Well, Genesis 2 and 3 answer that. Um, questions of identity. Well, the Imago day is described in Genesis one and two. Makes hmm. that very, very clear. Uh, the promise that God will send a rescuer to crush the head of the serpent Genesis, in Genesis three. 3. Um, how how can what's wrong in the world be made right? Well, God's going to make it right. Um, what are the consequences for rebellion against God? Uh, the, the account of the flood makes that quite clear. You you have these. Uh, I mean, Genesis is not just given there because it looks cool on the flannel graph when we do it in Sunday school. It 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 hmm. is the foundations of our biblical worldview. Um, and I think that Christians, uh, do a great disservice when we don't study it more.
1: And I want to, I want to just suggest some people, a lot of people ask who can they listen to on YouTube or something like that. Um, I do suggest Vody Bacham, R.C. Sproul, um, and I miss that guy so much. Um, you have James White, excellent apologist, um, I mean there there's a full, you know, a whole host of people. William Lane Craig is not a bad one either. Um these are all apologists, but they this is what they do. They they focus on this idea of worldview, and they hash that out. I highly recommend Vody Bakham for that as well. Do you have any other ones that you recommend no, there? and Craig. Bakham and Craig are very good. Um you can also find a lot of these things um this is not sponsored in any way, but uh, G three conference has videos put up from the conference. Uh, and a lot of these things are addressed. A lot of very important issues are addressed in those, um, those messages from G three. So I encourage you to do that. You can go to G three conference.com or just look it up on YouTube. Um, but with that said, I, I think that's all I have. It's about all I got. All right. Well, I hope that you were, um, that you were not bored to tears with our talk about worldviews. Uh, I hope that you understand a little bit more about the consistency of the Christian worldview. Uh, and if you have any questions, please feel free to ask. Um, you can you can do that on Twitter at the Historical Baptist FC Twitter. Uh, that's probably the best. Most, what is, what is our Twitter con- handle? That's
0: the most consistent way to reach us. Yes, but what is know, our you, Twitter you handle? You manage that, bro.
1: I'm so sorry. I have not logged on Twitter in a while because Twitter, frankly, can be very depressing uh so Hang he's on, looking, looking he's it looking it up um you can ask there um
0: at historical BAPT one
1: at historical BAPT one because or just name's look too up long.
0: historical baptist f c podcast
1: yeah, you can do that you can you can either ask uh there or you can go to robert's Twitter ask him in a message or me in a message uh, I'm gonna tell you if you ask me in a message, it needs to be on instagram, not twitter um but he he would be oh, there for on twitter that. he's on twitter um We would love to answer questions or or try to answer questions the best we can because we don't know everything. Um, So thank you for joining us, and hopefully you'll be here for the next episode.